Let's take our Bibles today. I want to do a mini message with you in the book of Acts. So if you have your little handout, let's go to Acts. I want to look at chapter 11, verses 19 down to verse 26. I made a reference to the Philadelphia Eagles. And so here's what I want the back section to do. Are you ready, back section? And so I want the back, and then I'm going to come to the front section. So the back section, uh, think about if you're an Eagles fan, if you're super excited about the Eagles, um, when they score like the winning touchdown, when they win the game, the two-minute clock goes down to zero, and they are champions. They are champions. Can you all stand to your feet real quick, just the back section? I just want to see you real, real close how you do this. Okay, so the Eagles have just won. Can you, can you give me a pose? What you look like when they, they, they win. This is the win. Let me see it. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, good, good, good. Anybody else? Come on. Good, good. I see thumbs up, hands up in the air. Do you guys ever clap when that happens? Is everybody ever clapping? Very cool. Okay, let's see the front section. You can sit down back there. Front section only. If you would stand up when the Eagles win, the two-minute clock is down. Let me, let me see what you look like. Maybe let me see what you say. Somebody said you want to try the back section again because I guess you need help back there. The reason why I say all of that is because during worship, listen, we clap. The Bible says clap to the Lord. Let's give the Lord a clap right now and applause. Yes, nice and loud, louder, louder, Lord. We give you glory. We worship you, your word, the El Elyon, God most high. He is most high. How does that feel? Right? Get the endorphins going, little... I need to say that over and over as your pastor. Listen, there's going to be a tremendous worship service tonight in a stadium where this is going on. It's worship. Enjoy it. I enjoy it. But do not worship the things of this world more than Jesus. Amen? And so when we're singing, we're like, yes, Lord, we worship you. We give you hand claps. We give you applause. If you can't do that, it's not a personality. Because your personality lets loose when the eagles, I saw all of you and some of you, your personalities are introverted, you're quiet, you're shy. But when it comes to the eagles winning, all of a sudden you become a different person, like you're possessed with the spirit of eagle. (laughs) So you can't use that excuse. When Jesus is Lord of your life and he's the master, when he is El Elyon, God most high, he is most high, then you ought to shout, you ought to clap, You ought to hoot and holler like we do with the Eagles and even more so. Would you agree with that? Seriously. And you can't say it's Berks County and we're reserved and we're German and we're all of that. No. Can you say Jesus? You're before Jesus one day. And he's like, did you worship me with everything that you have, with your voice, with clap offerings, with shouts of praise? Did you do that when you're on earth? You're going to say, no, because I'm Berks County and I'm German. He's going to look at you and go, yeah, so what? No, seriously, I mean, I try to make jokes of it, but it's like, man, Harvest Redding, we worship God. We praise him because he's worthy. And if you can't do that, it's probably a spiritual issue. It's probably because somewhere along the line, you're not doing well spiritually. And we want revival to hit your heart today. I need constant revival. I need constant awakening. So Jesus, we love you, right? I'm praying with my eyes open, not to make you uncomfortable, but you can pray with your eyes open too. And Jesus, we love you. You're Lord. You're the master of our life. We follow you. We trip and fall a lot, Lord. But you pick us up like you did Peter as he was falling in the water. 
because he was looking around at the waves and how scared he was, and he wasn't looking at you, Lord. But you still reached down and picked him up. And he's picked you up a few times, right, here in this place? He's picked you up a few times. Me, thousands of times. Thank you for Acts 11. We want to know what this word says. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're going to speak to us. Holy Spirit, you're going to draw people to yourself. Open blind eyes. There's some eyes in the house that are blind to the gospel. They don't know Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that you would save them. We pray that you would show them your great love like you did. You're showering it on Jose today and others. Thank you for that. All right, let me ask you a question. For the human body to remain healthy, it needs to? Okay. Sleep, some people are saying. Here's one of the greatest enemies. You need to keep moving. Here's one of the greatest enemies of our health. Take a peek at this right here. There it is. Whoa, there it is. Yeah, that's a lazy boy. They even call it lazy boy. Can you believe that? And then you put that combined with a remote, and you have non-health. Now, I'm all for relaxing, but your body needs to keep moving. That's how you keep something healthy. Keep moving. And so they stay. statistics say, health professionals say you need about 10,000 steps. How often? Every day. You need about 10,000 steps. Can I encourage you not to use most of those going to the fridge? Amen? Because some are like, yeah, I can go to the fridge. <laughs> and then I'm going, no, no, you can't do that. That's not going to work. So the body, the church is like a body. Notice this verse here. I think I have it in Corinthians. Take a peek at that. Is it up there? For just as the body is one and has many members, and the body is referring to the church of Jesus, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Go to the next one. I think I have some more here for us. What do we have? Another verse there? No? Talking about the church of Jesus. It's in verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ. Verse 27, same chapter. So the church is a body, and for the church to keep healthy, it's like a human body, Paul said, it needs to keep moving. Keep the church moving. Keep the momentum going. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Let me give you some of the, this is not going to be on the screen behind me, but I want to give you uh, church, the six stages of church growth. Six stages of church growth. The first one is conception. Let me go back with you in a little story. You'll see a picture on the screen of us in Chicago. Pull that one up, John, if you would. There's us. Uh, this is the training center at Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago, and so I was hired by them to be a church planter. Some of you are like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? I'm actually hiding behind someone so you can't see me. And so that's the training center, and so we were there for four months being trained by Harvest and the leaders and James McDonald and others, and so we're going to plant a church. And so that was conceived. Reading was conceived in our mind by the Spirit of the Lord back uh, almost two years ago now. And so the Holy Spirit was also doing conception in the mind and the heart and the spirit of some of the people of the church that we uh, inherited. There was a, a church called Muhlenberg Area Community Church. That was the name of this church. And some of those people, Scott and Don uh, and others, had the conception of a church, a vertical church, Harvest Bible Chapel. So that's the first stage is Chicago. It happened to my wife and I. It was very profound how the Lord was moving in our life at the same time, moving in those who were here in Reading. And so the second stage is development stage. You'll notice the next picture here. There is our core group. And so uh, there is, and some of you are going to see yourself there. If you can find Ben Bacon, can you find Ben? He's our director of Harvest Kids. Can you see him there? 
Look how young he is. Look, you know. <laughs> look at that. And if you look at him now, he looks so much older. That's what church planting will do. It'll age you very rapidly. But he looks like a little kid, little Dutch boy there. But uh, anyhow, so some of those folks are with us today, and some of you are finding yourself in that picture. There's about 40 uh, of us in the early days, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago. And we call that core group phase. And so um, there's 19 that, that are with us today, and so you do the math. Uh, the rest of them we killed and buried behind the church we were meeting in. And so um, you can still visit their graves if you would like. But we have 19 that are remaining with us. So you have conception, you have development or core group phase. Then you have birth. And so there's a picture here. We launched on, what was it, March 25th of last year. And uh, it was phenomenal because it was snowing and over 200 people showed up for our launch. Uh, and some of you who are in the early days of this church, remember, it was a difficult journey. And church planting is hard. It is very hard. And so God was showing up in profound ways. And for 200 people plus to show up at our launch right here in this room uh, during snow was phenomenal. You'll see it's a little bit lighter today uh, because when snow hits the ground in Berks County, uh, they get a little bit scared. Except for you guys, right? So you guys came. So anyhow, that's the, the launch or the birth uh, stage in the growth process of a church. And then number four is growth. Here's present day. I think we have a picture there of the lobby. It's full. People are, are excited about the church. There's a lot of momentum and morale is high. And so when you move to the fourth stage, then you go beyond that to the maturity stage. This is the fifth one. That's about three to 500 people. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean maturity, uh, sanctified maturity. That just means the church is starting to take really strong form and shape. And then the sixth stage is reproduction or planting the church. And so we got to keep moving as a church. We got to keep, this is how you grow. You keep being sanctified. Sanctification is Christian growth. And so are you different this year than you were last year as a Christian? Would you guys say amen to that? Would some of you go, yeah, that's awesome. And so, uh, yeah, hand clap for Carly. Right. And so, Lisha, cool. And so that's what happens. We keep moving. And so you want 2019 to be a, a time period where you're going to become more like Jesus. You're going to walk with him in ways that are just so much deeper and so much closer than you've ever walked before. You got to keep your spiritual life moving. You got to keep growing. Churches need to keep growing numerically. Yes, they need to keep growing numerically because when they're growing numerically, in a lot of ways, not always, but in a lot of ways, that means that people are reaching out to other people. There's a culture of invitation. People are thinking about lost people. There's conversions, there's baptisms. We're having, I think there's eight baptisms uh, in February when we go to Burke's Bible for that. So eight people are being baptized. And so that means the church is moving, it's growing. There's, there's this thing happening to the body. It's very important. And so planting churches is also important. There needs to be reproduction. And so most churches will not replant for various reasons, which I don't want to get into. And so they just don't reproduce. And so what we want to do at Harvest Reading is reproduce many, many, many times in Reading and beyond. And so we're going to be a church planting church. We partnered with the VCN. You'll see the logo behind me, uh, the Vertical Church Network. We partnered with them back in April. And this is an organization uh, that we're a part of as a church. And we also contribute to 5%. Uh, they ask for 2%. All of that goes to resourcing pastors, training pastors, raising up church planters, the other 3%, we're able to decide, and we support two churches right now, uh, one in, in Vertical or in Crestview, Florida, and the other one in Ogden, Utah. And we're doing that nine months in. So we're only a nine-month-old church. Remember that. We're just a young church. We're not old. 
you know, uh, we're, we're like the 12-year-old who has a full beard, you know, and you're like, whoa, he must be like 25 years old. No, you're just 12. And so some people look at our church and they think we're much older. They ask, how long you been around? We haven't been around that long. And so we need some grace. We need some mercy. We need flexibility because we're growing very fast and there's new families all the time. So have mercy, have grace, because uh, we're, we're not an older church. And so we're just a young church, but we look older. So the Vertical Church Network is connected to Chicago still, but it's separate. There's a different board and it's a ministry that is truly being blessed by the Lord. We're, I'm just so excited to be connected to it personally because there are some great men and women of God that are part of the Vertical Church Network, great churches that we're partnered with and, and being encouraged by. We're coached by a church up in Harvest, it's Harvest Windsor, Ontario. So we're being coached by them. Aaron Rock is my buddy and he's technically our coach. And so, and so we're getting a lot of resourcing, a lot of coaching. In fact, the the new computer that we needed was bought by Harvest Windsor. And that was a two grand, right, Scott? It cost about two grand, and they, they bought that for us. And so we're not going to have Harvest Windsor as a coaching church for very long uh, because we are a self-sustaining church already, which means we don't need outside sourcing and help financially to supply for pastor salary and all of that. Uh, because you have been generous in your tithing and your giving. And so we are a self-sustaining church in, in nine months. In fact, it was quicker than that. There are churches that go on a lot longer than that that are not self-sustaining. So uh, way to go, God, amen? And way to go, all of us, for being generous. So the Vertical Church Network is making disciples, raising up men of God to plant churches, not just in this country, but around the world. And so we're excited to be partnering with them. Now look at Acts chapter 11. I've titled this message, Spontaneous Expansion. And I want to look at the church of Antioch uh, briefly here. And I'm going to fly through some verses here. I want you to see what Ed Stetzer said. Ed Stetzer was someone that we connected with out in Chicago. And uh, he wrote a book called Viral Churches. John, can you pull that up? Thank you, sir. The early church implemented the Great Commission mandate primarily by how? What is it? Planting churches. And so if you look at the ministry of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, you see him making disciples, gathering the disciples, and planting churches. This is how the Roman Empire was conquered. So if you want to conquer a city, you still do the same thing. You make a lot of disciples, you gather those disciples, and you plant churches, and you raise up elders or pastors to pastor those churches. This is the Great Commission, and church planting is the way to do it. And so I think that churches or cities aren't being reached for various reasons, but I think one of the primary reasons is that churches are not planting other churches. Because it's in the book of Acts, I believe it's, it's a pattern that has been given by God for us to reach cities and to reach regions and states and countries and all of that. I don't think we've been fulfilling the great commandment, the church, not this church, but the church. But we need to do that. Let me give you some principles on spontaneous expansion that are in the text. And so here's number one. Spontaneous expansion happens with God's providence. God's providence. A little trivia for you. Uh, help me with this. Uh, tell me what the capital of Rhode Island is. Anybody? You paid attention in, in history class, right? You didn't sleep during that class. It's providence. Roger Williams, great man of God, being persecuted. They went out trying to find a refuge and they found this spot. If you go to Providence, it was that area that became a refuge for them against persecution. And so they called it Providence. Providence is God's guiding hand. It's a sovereign work in our life. 
whereby he is ordering our steps. He's causing the events of our life to fall into place exactly the way that he wants them to. So if you ever find your life chaotic and out of control, if you ever find your life like falling apart and you're thinking, man, this really stinks, uh, the providence of God is going to stabilize you. If you go back to his sovereignty, you say, God, I know that my steps are ordered of, of you. You do everything perfect. You're all wise. You're good. I remember when our life turned upside down and I kept going back to the Lord. I said, Lord, you're wise. Do this. You got to watch this because this is going to save you. Watch, this will save you during the storm. You were singing that song about the storm, right? What was the title of that song? That was Cornerstone, right? And so you're, you got to sing that, believing that. Listen, because the storm's coming into your life. Some of you are going to hit that storm coming up this week, and you're going to be like, your, your life is going to be shaken. It's, you're going to be diagnosed with something. Your child's going to be hurt. You know, a spouse is going to go sideways. Something's going to happen. And you're going to be like, it's a storm. And so when you can go, God, you are wise. You allow this to happen. I don't know why you're allowing it to happen, but I'm trusting your sovereignty. I'm trusting your providence that you order my steps. And every step that I take, Lord, I know that you're involved in all of that. That's his providence. Let me show you the text. Verse 19, notice this statement. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. You remember Stephen was stoned and there was persecution that, that came out of that. And as a result, the Christians scattered. Now watch this, this is fantastic. The, the, the expansion of the gospel that eventually made it to us was because of pain and suffering it was because the Christians, because of the stoning of Stephen, were persecuted and then they had to scatter. And God was using the scattering, the providential move of the expansion of the kingdom of God to reach the world is coming through pain and suffering. You want to know how you want to expand your personal influence, the people you love, the people that you're connected to. If you're in the midst of difficulty and suffering, I'm telling you, this is the way that God does it providentially. The gospel will go out from your life. It'll start touching other people's lives profoundly because of what you're going through, because you're going through it in a faithful, obedient way. God's providence will save you in the storm. And you're thinking, I, I can just see some of your eyes. I can see it. You're like, you're not getting it. Oh, Lord, please get it now. Open their eyes now because the tsunami is coming. These people here, and, and the gospel is spreading out from Jerusalem and it's moving, it's going northwest and eventually ends in this city called Antioch. It's about 500,000 people, very strategic city, a little larger than Greater Reading. We have about 450,000 total people. A little bit larger Antioch was, very strategic. And so those Christians are there and they're looking back going like, wow, I'm displaced. Wow, I'm separated from the ones I love. I lost a spouse in all of this. My spouse died, was killed because of all the persecution. My child, you know, I, I lost a child in all of this. God, I don't understand this. This is what you're gonna need. Like they held, held on to the providence of God. Like Roger Williams did when they named the capital of Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, you need theology today. We need theology that God is loving and he's good and he's always with us. Please. Open your heart to that. Please, ask the Spirit of the Lord right now. Help me to understand that you order my steps with your perfect wisdom. Nothing has ever taken you by surprise, Lord. Nothing. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? This is the church in Antioch. They're holding tight to that. 
I'm sure their life felt crazy and chaotic at times, but it wasn't. It was completely the way that it was supposed to be. And God was unfolding something very spectacular as the gospel was expanding, the churches were being planted. Remember, it was the Jerusalem church. It was the Jerusalem church. It was the only church at the time. And so, but God used uh, the providence and the persecution, the pain and the suffering to move the gospel. And so when I look at our life, my wife's in my life, there's been a lot of pain, a lot of pain. Some of you know that. And so God, God ha- I was like, God, you've got to make sense of my pain. Please make sense of my pain and the difficulty that we went through. And so when I, when I see you, listen, when I see you, because when I'm singing those songs, I'm singing them and I'm like, God, I remember the time where I just fell to my knees in the basement of a friend's house and tears were flowing. And I'm like, God, I don't know what's going on here. God, I, I feel like you're crushing me. I feel like I'm not going to be able to take another breath or another step. I re- See, during the songs, that's what's going through my mind. And I'm like, God, I remember that. And then I look out here and I'm like, wow, look what God has done and is doing. If you were to say, I would have seen it back then, I didn't see it back then. I had to hold on to his providence. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is awesome. Because God's doing something. He's doing something wonderful. Number two, God's power. This is how expansion, spontaneous expansion through church planting happens. It's God's power. I want you to see the phrase in verse 21. Would you try to find this? The hand of the Lord was with them. Look at that. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. This is the power of God, the power of God. So when I'm in my basement and I'm on my knees, and this is what God does. He brought me to my knees and I'm crying, and I'm like, God, I can't do this. I can't make it. I can't survive in this. This is where you go if you really want to experience the presence of God because you're trusting in your power too much. You're trusting in the fact that you can control your life. And what God's going to do is going to strip that completely away from you. And you're going to think that he's mean, that he's turned on you, that he shelved you. That's not the truth at all. He loves you, and he's going to bring you to the place where you'll bow your knee and realize it's not your power. You don't get the power to breathe in. God has given you breath to be able to breathe. He's given a heartbeat inside of your chest to beat. He could say, stop, and your heart will stop right now. He could say, the, the air that you breathe, I'm going to stop it right now. But he allows that to happen to us. Are you going to recognize that he is all-powerful and you aren't? Are you going to, are you going to do that voluntarily? Amen. Because if you don't do it voluntarily, you know what he's going to do? He's going to do it against your will. You're saying, he wouldn't do that. He did it to me. And he was taking my will, and he's going, boom, and he's breaking it. And he's breaking it. And I was fighting, and I'm fighting. And I said, God, I will not fight anymore. Stop fighting. Harvest Redding, it's the power of God that got us to this place, right? Not our power. hand of the Lord. Let me show you some verses on the screen here, if you would. Let's look at these. These are some describing the hand of God. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. The power of God, the hand of God. Let's look at some other verses here. Notice these. Behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. Let's keep flowing. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the hand of God, the power of God. Is that the only one I have, John? Is that the end of it? Throw that up there, would you please? 
What do we have? When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod. This is also referencing power, the control that Herod had, and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. The hand of God is represented in Scripture often by the power of God. And so the hand of the Lord was on the church in Antioch. Can we really say, the hand of the Lord is on Harvest Reading? The hand of the Lord is on us. We need that power. Let me keep going with you. Number three, God's people. Spontaneous expansion happens with God's people. Verse 22, can I take your eyes to verse 22? And then I'm going to read down. Verse 22, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. This is the spread of the gospel. People were being born again. The move of the Spirit was happening. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. You got a lot of people here. You need people. To build churches, you need people. And God saves people or he brings people to himself, to the church. Many of you are in that realm. You got Barnabas here, you got them all, and you have a great many people that are being referenced here. God always sends, listen, God always sends the key people to plant churches. And he always sends the people. I did a video before we went into the Fox. I said, God has done great things. I don't know if you remember this video. I said, God has brought us to the place of launch and he has brought the people to be able to launch. And then since launch, you've come. Others have come. It takes people. Church planting is hard. It can't be done by yourself. It needs to be done by the power of God, but it also needs to be done with people. And so church planting, it's essential that you are not a consumer. Don't be a consumer. Don't come here and just say, what can I get for myself? What can I get? No, you got to contribute. Everybody contributes. Step two is tonight. we got a big crowd coming to step two. It's awesome. And so that encouragement to them in step two is that contribute. Everybody contributes. we got consumerism that's taking control of the modern church in America, and it's wreaking havoc on the church. And so be a contributor. But it takes people. I don't know if you knew this, last Lord's Day, uh, we had about 100, what was 160 some uh, that showed up for 100% Sunday. We were missing 30 some that would have put us right at 200 uh, here last Lord's Day, which is unbelievable. God is bringing people. Some of you are inviting people and they're coming. Others are seeing signs and they're coming, you know, and God is moving in their heart to be a part of what's going on here. It kind of translates into about 100 people per year we're on average. Do you know in New England it takes 10 years to get to 100? 10 years. New England and Berks County are very similar, although we're much more rude and obnoxious up in New England, and you guys are nicer down here. And so, but here it's very difficult to build a church with people, uh, and lots of people very quickly. And so what's happening here is very unusual. And so God is bringing the people. It's very exciting. That translates into about eight people a month, uh, and two new people a week on average coming to Harvest Reading. So how did you hear about it? How many people actually heard uh, from word of mouth? Maybe somebody told you about it. Raise your hand. Somebody told you you were connected. 
Anybody social media? Raise your hand, social media. Just a few. How else did you see a sign? Did you see a sign? Not like in the heavens, like, oh. No, I'm talking about like one of our signs on the, okay, good, good, good. Anybody else? How was, what's the other ones? How did you guys find out? Anybody? Okay, social media, cool, cool, yeah. Yeah, God is using all, all kinds of means. Remember I talked about, was it last Lord's Day? I talked about oikos, household. Oikos, it's the Greek word for household, and we all have those influences that we have. You know, spouses, kids, uncles, aunts, grandparents, neighbors, coworkers. That's how you reach the world. You reach with your oikos. Everybody has an oikos. The question is, are we reaching them? Are you giving Jesus to them, talking to them, inviting them out to church, praying with them, whatever it takes to, to lead them to the Lord? Are you taking it to your oikos? So everybody's a pastor. Did you know that in some ways? Not everybody's called to do what I'm, I'm doing, is pastoring a local church, but you're called to shepherd your oikos. You're to reach them. I'm not to reach them. Let's do that together. You got Barnabas here who is uh, just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal man. Uh, greatly used of the Lord. And so he comes on the scene in the church of Antioch. So you got great people in this church plant. Number four, and finally, God's provision. This is in verse 25 and verse 26. And Antioch's provision, I think when I look at this, is the apostle Paul. He comes, Barnabas goes and gets him, brings him back. And then from there, Paul moves out to the rest of the world, planting more churches and making more disciples. It eventually, many, many centuries later, ends up in this country, and you and I meet the gospel, and then we get born again. But it really started in Jerusalem, goes to Antioch, then to the rest of the world, and Paul is the provision. I mean, he's a very strategic provision of the Lord uh, that God has given to the church of Antioch. And God, wherever God guides, he provides. Wherever God guides, he provides. And this isn't just for church planters like myself. This is for anybody. Wherever God's guiding you, he's going to provide for you. He is faithful to do that. I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to close with this, that we are a self-sustaining church. That means my salary, Scott gets a part-time salary as worship leader. All of that, the, what we can do to afford this, everything is paid for. We're in the black moving from 2018 into 19. We're in the black financially, which is, that would be a real good place for an amen because there are churches that are struggling financially, but we are not. And so uh, we have a self-sustaining church. That's a big deal. I was talking to James McDonald a while ago on the phone, and he asked me, is your church self-sustaining? Meaning that the support comes from within, the tithes and the offerings. Are you able to survive without outside help? And I was able to say to him, we are self-sustaining. And he was like, that, that's awesome. It's very cool that we can do that. And so we're blessed in many, many ways, blessed. Our finances have tripled since last year. And so that's a huge blessing. And we're able to afford this building, but how many people would like their own building? Amen? Yes, we want our own building. All right, where is that? I don't know. I'm on the lookout for buildings all the time. Keep an eye open for buildings, church buildings, warehouses. Listen, I'm eating almost anything. It does not matter. And so, and yeah, Berks, make sure it's in Berks County. So it's not like we're going to Santa Barbara, California. Let's all go out there. Although that's a great city. That would be cool. But that's not going to happen. So it's in Berks County. We're not exactly sure. People ask, where's this building going to be? Is it going to be in Exeter? Not sure. Shillington? Uh, you know, it, we don't know. But pray for a building. We would love to be in our own space in 2019. God is blessing us already. We're expanding already, just nine months into it. And so what, it would be cool to have our own facility. And so we don't worship facilities, right? No, they're just tools. 
you know, but uh, God can use a facility like he's using this one. Uh, but I don't want to pay rent. You know what I mean? I just don't like paying rent if we can help it. Uh, I like to have our, an investment. And when we can buy our own, it's a better investment than spending. This will go up to 2200 This is going up to 22 It was 18 when we first came in, which is a good deal. I got friends of mine that are spending 3500 a week for, or a month for a theater. So we're at 1800 which is a blessing to get in here. Uh, but it's going up to 22 And so I don't want to do that. I'd rather do towards a mortgage, right? Does that make sense? Let me introduce you to a wonderful couple. My wife and this couple are going to come up and join us. This is Russell Taylor and Christina, his wife. If you guys could come on up here. They're church planters in Florida. I'm going to have a little conversation with them about church planting. This is the couple that we're supporting. This is one of the couples. And so Russell and I met in Chicago at the training center, and we lived in the same apartment complex. And so we were helping each other move, and that's how we got to know each other. And so this is a dear couple close to my wife and I, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about church planting. And after that, we're going to pray over them, and then we're going to close our service with a worship song. So grab some microphones, and I'll come over here. Can we just greet them, Russell and Christina Taylor? So we've known each other probably, what, two years, right? Uh, yeah. Two years? Where, what picture were you looking at? Did um, you see a picture up there? Well, you showed the picture of the training Oh, the center. training yeah. center, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, we were actually pretty close, if you saw us, pretty close in that, that crowd. But we were hiding from some people. We were, like, scared. We were, like, nervous. Uh, I don't know. I think they were trying to hide us. <laughs> <laughs> we love these guys. These are dear people yeah. to us. And we had some highs and we had some lows yeah. out there. It was very challenging. It was hard. Uh, it was difficult to try to, to, um, to hear from the Lord on all that he had for us. There are so many dynamics, at least for me. I'm not so sure if it was for Russell, but I'm older than Russell. And so the older you get, the harder it is to hang with the younger guys and to keep up academically and all that. So it was really a stretch for me. It was a stretch for you. So, so, so how old are you, Russell? Can we start? We won't 51. ask Christina. Are you? Yeah. No, I'm turning 53. I, I look younger. That's huh? probably what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, you I mean. won't be after you, after you plant vertical <laughs> you crusty. You act you're older. Because you're going to look old and crusty like I do. <laughs> no, church planting is challenging, like I said. It's hard, hard, hard. Please understand. And we need your prayers. And vertical crest view needs your prayers. So let me just ask, start with Russell. What makes it church planting? Why church planting for you? You could have taken an existing church. Uh, you have a lot of experience. I don't know if you want to touch on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but why church planting? Well, first, can I just express our appreciation to you and your all's friendship and love for us and for this church? That means a, a great deal to us. And I want to let you guys know that y'all got the real deal. Uh, there's a lot of churches in the world don't have pastors and a pastor's wife that are this wonderful. I would we'd follow them wherever they went, and so we want you to know that y'all are blessed. And that's not going to make me cry. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know. That's what happens over fifty too. You'll find out. You yeah. cry more. You weren't expecting that. that he, <laughs> you know, he didn't even pay me to say that. So, uh, why church planting? I, I, you know, because it's what Jesus is doing twenty four seven. You know, he's building his church. Have you ever thought about what is Jesus preoccupied with doing twenty four seven? He's building his church, and um, and you touched on some of it. You know, the book of Acts is nothing more than the fulfillment of the Great Commission. It's nothing more than a church planting movement. So, um, and then almost all of the New Testament, the audience of the New Testament is the local church. 
you know, eight church epistles. Even the book of Revelation is written to seven churches. The pastoral epistles are about how to establish a church. Um, the application of the New Testament is in the local church. Like you, you cited First Corinthians chapter 12. You can't even apply your spiritual gifts anywhere else but in the context of a local church. It's not the universal church, but a local church. Uh, the authority um, of the New Testament is in the church, and the elders and then pastors and then deacons, and even in church discipline in Matthew 18, you take people before the church if they're unrepentant, and the church actually exercises discipline. So I think in American culture, we've overlooked that the passion of Christ's heart is the local church. That's where the visible, the invisible universal church manifests itself. So we have a passion for the local church. And That's a good word, man. because it's such a, a tremendous calling of God in the life of a believer, every spirit-filled believer that's mature has a longing in their heart to be part of a biblical community known as the local church. Eighty percent of them in America are dying or declining, or uh, either plateaued or declining. Right. And 4,000 a, a year are shutting their doors in America, and only 1,000 are replacing them. And uh, I think like 50% of them don't last five years. So we need so to be church planting. If we we're not church planting, then Jesus is doing something we're not doing. <laughs> so I think that's just something we have a passion for. So whether it's directly in what we're doing by directly planting a church or indirectly by praying for like you're doing or financially supporting or sending people um, all of the indirect ways that you can support church planting, I, believe, I just believe it's, it's, it's part of being a mature disciple of Christ. God just put us on the front lines of that, but everybody else is a support troop. You know, you, you, it's all part of what we do. Isn't that a good word? Anytime Russell spoke in the training center, I was glued into him, honestly. We had to preach in front of people, and I sat in one of his messages, and the way that he teaches and explains things is so, so good. And uh, I just love that of you, man. So I have a question. So, so Chris was talking about how hard church planting is. And so I wanted to kind of hear a little bit about with, from you, Christina, and just kind of share, you know, just in, there, there are a lot of low points to um, church planting, but there, there are a lot of high points. And so some, because you guys have planted a church before, this, you know, it's, this isn't your first rodeo, right? Yeah. And so um, what are some of your past really high points of church planting? I would say um, whenever you work with people who, you know, maybe are not saved or um, are just struggling Christians and you see them start to produce fruit and then you see them owning ministries and um, affecting other people's lives and you know that you had a part in it and um, just encouraging them and just seeing that. Um, and, and like I said, just seeing the fruit, um, that's very encouraging. And I think, I think that's what's kind of fueled us all along because there are the lows, there are the very difficult things that, um, can discourage you. But if you can keep your mind on that, um, that, that keeps you going. Yeah. I'm thinking about many of the lives here that we're getting to know and just the life change that we're seeing in you and how you're loving Jesus more and more. We had like a, we're trying to raise up four elders, uh, men that are in our church. We had a meeting yesterday, and man, we, we laughed, but we also teared up because of the work that God is doing inside of all of our lives. And to see that coming out of you, I mean, right, Carly and Matt? I mean, they're in our harvest group, and we've had moments where, you know, hey, what's going on? It's, it's just awesome. What Christina is saying is so true. So let me go over to Russell. And what, what is like one of the hardest 
This is where we want to be gut-wrenching on. It's like, this is hard yeah. in church planting. Well, well, there's different kinds of hard. You know, there's the fundraising is not fun. Um, nobody wants to set up. I mean, there was a lot more work to start this service okay. than in an established church and renting and moving around. So there's so different kinds of hard. I think at the, at the mission of it, the hardest thing is, uh, is especially early on, is finding builders in a consumer culture. And so, like, we've had 30, 35 people that have been interested, expressed interest, you know, as we're trying to form a core group. And you can translate that into, well, let us know when you're up and running and we'll show up and see what you're doing. Because <laughs> you know, people show up to find out what's in it for me. And when you're planting a church, it's not for everybody. It's not for the, you know, we, we, we have no children's ministry. We have no youth ministry. We have no, you know, we, we have been blessed with a building, but um, a place to meet. But you don't have um, um, any instruments. You don't have anything. You're starting from scratch. And so the kind of person you're looking for to come in and plant a church is someone who is pretty tough and is not asking a lot of what's there for me questions. They see a vision that nobody else sees. Um, they have a passion for that, and they're willing to work and sacrifice and build something that does not exist. And uh, it's hard to find people in a, in a consumer-driven culture that are, are willing to come and say, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll suffer through the, our children on our lap instead of in a nice, you know, sure. just a lot of sacrifice that goes into that. And so identifying them at the early stages is vital. So the exciting thing about Harvest Reading is when we're out there in the foyer and there's a room full of 20 or 30 people that have showed up early to work hard yeah. to get this thing going for you guys and you, y'all are seeing the fruit of that. And so the, that's, that's at the core of your initial work is trying to find people that are, um, there'll be more come along later when it's easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> than there are early on when it's all work. We're going to pray so, specifically yeah, yeah, for we that, appreciate not that, now. Yeah. So I just want to highlight Scott Leonard. Where are you, Scott? So Scott was one of those builders that we first met. In fact, we only knew Scott. Scott uh, and oh, and Joanna. Sorry, he's married, has a wonderful wife. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I met him in Chicago by himself, and so that's why I'm kind of my mind like that. Builders, I mean, these are those people. So we need to pray for you to be connected to people like Scott and Joanna so that this thing can start moving. We got some slides going. I want you to explain why Crestview, because I, I see them scrolling behind me here. Can you bring those up, John? You'll see them up behind me. You want to explain some of that? Like Crestview. Yeah. Well, like how, how we got to. Okay. So, um. Just on our journey, it's always been, and this this kind of hit me whenever you were preaching this morning, and I am trying not to be emotional. Did I was, you get born I again, finally? Come on. <laughs> when I told her we have tissues. I, I can bring it to her, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. Because <laughs> um, I was thinking about, you know, how, more how, you know, Crestview. And I would say it's through prayer and providence. And, um, and this morning I was thinking, do I go with the word providence? Um, just kind of thinking through, because we were just talking about some of the things, you know, that we were going to talk about here. And, and I was thinking about that. And, and that, that is the right, that is the right word. Because, um, you know, like, we have been in the ministry for a long, long time. So we've been a part of existing churches, planting churches, um, in all kinds of contexts. And um, so, 
whenever you do this, sometimes I think that um, people look at you and they think that you're like a super Christian, like you're super spiritual, you're super this or that, and um, have it all together. And the hard thing is, is that you're not, you're just a normal person, but you feel like whenever you pray, like God puts this burden in your heart or, and he opens up doors and he, he provides and he, the, the providence has, you know, this role in it. So I would say like we were in Crestview before we went, we were called somewhere else. And whenever God moved us, it was one of those things. It was through prayer and it was through providence. And it was like, we weren't ready to move really. We, we wanted to stay in Crestview. That's where our heart was. And, and we had started a church there that was doing, you know, very well. And um, we were just like, what is going on? Like, why is God, you know, taking us away? And, um, but we knew it was clear that he was. And, um, and we were serving in some places that were extremely, extremely difficult. So it was just so hard. And, but we knew that that's where God wanted us to be. And Crestview never really left our hearts. Like it was always there, but we knew that it would have to be God leading us back to go there. And, um, so through those circumstance, other circumstances down the road, he did. And he's made it clear that that's where he wants us to be, and everything will be in his timing. But we have to wait on him, you know, and, um, yeah. How do you see God working? Because i got to highlight this up here, if you would, just kind of mm-hmm. pull from that what you're seeing. So there, you know. Yeah, because, well, you know, she, um, the building is up there that you see. We were blessed right after we got in, and was for there to be, we got a building for a dollar a year. <laughs> now it's That's an older deal. church building, um, and it's only going to hold about 60 people, but that's a pretty good core group. So we're going to try to get to that, and then we'll be launching. We have a middle school that's offered to let us stay there. Can you so stop it a, on that that's one? That's our building, yeah. Yeah, stop it on that one. That's the building you guys and, have. Um, and it, so it's it's old, it's dated, but so we've got to do, so we're going to obviously do a lot of changes there. Pipe and drape. That's Pipe all and drape, I yeah. Pipe I know and you drape. already told us that. And so we're going to be going in there with some lipstick and rouge and dressing it up, you know, give it a little <laughs> facelift. Make it so look, go, look say that again. Did you guys hear that it was a dollar a year? A dollar a year. That's that's. I mean, awesome. that's God working it right is, there. Yeah, because uh, again, when you start looking at schools and stuff, two, two couple thousand dollars is is going to be your bottom price. And the theater, they wanted us to buy every seat. Seriously? Every I week. And I'm like, I don't think so. No, we're not going to do that. So, yeah, I went and talked to them. Um, and and I'm from a missional perspective of Crestview, just uh, tag on what she's saying about why Crestview is uh, is because it is right next to the largest Air Force base in the world. Eglin Air Force Base is uh, is uh, kind of dominates the whole area of the Panhandle. So all around the Eglin Air Force Base are these little pockets of twenty five, thirty thousand, like Crestview, Milton, Fort Walton Beach. You probably you may have heard of Destin, where a lot of people vacation. It's about forty five minutes from us. Those are down on the coast. She's from Navarre. I'm a former airman. I was stationed at Eglin. So that's how I got to the area initially. Um, and so Crestview's literally right on the edge of that. And it's under-churched. And so, um, and then there's a ranger camp there uh, with several thousand troops right on the edge, of, right outside of Crestview. So the military, the government is nice enough to send us regular people that need to know Christ and then ships them off as missionaries. That's, on them. Yeah. that's, that's scattering. Uh, even during a government shutdown, yeah. they keep getting paid and keep coming in. So that's, uh, we, that's just important to us. That's kind of our target is the young military couple um, that's there for three to five years, um, and then they go somewhere else. So it's a unique 
culture. So it's wild. It's only a city of about 25,000. Um, it actually, you minister to more people than a typical city of 25,000, and right. you have potential to have people from all over the country be there. So cool. those are a couple of the logistics of that. And uh, when that's one of the ways God's working was providing us a building for a dollar. Can you pray that we have year. a building for a dollar? Yeah. yeah. How yeah. about for nothing? We'll take it for nothing. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be cool. How so. about like Harvest Reading? Were you going to say something? No, I was just going to ask. So, so as you've heard today that like, We'll do one more planting, question, then we'll Planting clear. churches are kind of like within our site is just kind of like the passion of our heart. Like we would love to see, Chris has told us that he would like to see us as a church plant five churches in this Reading area. Is this microphone on? It could be done. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Stick that right there. I kind of can. I have a loud voice. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I've been told I have a loud voice. Anyway, um, so my, so, but we're not quite ready, obviously, to plant a church. So that's, I think, what makes it so thrilling for us at our stage to be able to come alongside of another church that is planting. And so how can Harvest Reading, and both of you guys can answer this, how, how can Harvest Reading, how can this body come alongside of you and, and be that support or help to you? Well, I can already say that you already have. I mean, because you care. I know that you're praying for us, and now you're supporting us. And um, just, just so that you know that. I mean, it, it, it makes all the world of difference, you know, for us to know. Because you do feel kind of isolated sometimes and alone whenever you're out there. And you don't really have that body, you know, to um, minister their gifts to you. So what you guys do to encourage us means the world to us. And, and I know that it's, it's an investment into the kingdom. So um, just thank you for that. And, and talking to some of your people. And some of your people have, you know, they're aware of us and they're praying for us. And um, so... Th- Whenever, whenever you have like hard times, you think about that. You think, well, you know what? I know these people are praying for us, and um, and that gives you encouragement. So that's huge. I don't know if you have like some other things that. Yeah, that that that's having. Um, you know, I've shared some accountability things with you from myself, and I think having a relationship isolation is very bad spiritually for people, and especially for church planners and pastors. We we can get isolated, and that's a dangerous place to be. So I think the connectivity is important, and couple of specifics is just you know having a small group adopt us so that there's regular weekly prayer you know it's one thing to say we're going to pray for you but unless you plan it a lot of times you know we really we really covet your prayers and and um and another thing practically to do is that you know if you'll follow us on facebook and on instagram vertical crestview you guys um, promise to do that? Yeah. Everybody? Just go ahead and on tag Facebook, on there, and we're going to be yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be hitting that this year pretty cool. heavy and doing a lot of You can stay up to speed on what we're doing, but when somebody, it also creates a buzz in how social media works. When you have 300 people, you're going to get a bigger buzz than when you have 10, um, and share it and those things. So those would be some practical ways to just kind of help us get, you know, some energy Right now, we, we were starting with nothing, and we were trying to create some momentum and some energy. So, But we covet your prayers. And um, and if you're ever vacationing to Destin, Florida, on the beach there, come see us. We'll be, come, we'll be happy to come down to Destin to go to lunch with you. Hey, Destin is a <laughs> lot better than Disney. Uh, some of you are, I'm just trying to make a plug for Destin. Come on now. <laughs> That's right. I've yeah. been to Disney. It's awesome. But Destin is an awesome destination for vacation. So... If, if you like plan- the beach. Yeah, if you're you planning on like going to Disney anymore. World, cancel those plans right now and go to Destin instead and then go to church at Vertical Crestview. That's right. Cool. Let's pray for you guys now. If you could, stand to your feet, st- extend your hands out. 
We're going to close in some prayer, and then we're going to worship with one more song. Oh, we got a picture of the Feeks, too. Can we throw that up there, John? Should be another family there. This is our family in Ogden, Utah. They're there somewhere. There they are. Talk about a hard mission field. Uh, it's Mormon country out there in Ogden. And so John and Sarah are facing some super tough times right now and in multiple ways. And so we want to pray for them too. So if you could extend a hand out, God, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that you continue to shower your favor, your blessing, your power, your might, Holy Spirit, that you would be the one that leads Russell and Christina always. Help them not to take another step unless they hear your voice, know what to do, because you're commanding it, that you're saying, do this, go here and do that. And so, God, we pray for a holy anointing, a covering over them, protection, Lord, that you would give them the strength that they need, that you would help them, Lord, to rely on you and not their own strength, that they would continue to see the providence of God, the move of God, that every step is ordained of you, Lord, and help them to have that confidence in that theological truth. God, we thank you for the $1 building. Hallelujah for that. And so, God, we pray for more blessings. We pray for a builder, one builder, maybe like Scott and Joanne or, or someone else, Lord, that you would send to them and bring into their path that, that would help build and get Vertical Crestview moving forward, God. We pray for the Feeks as well, that you would help them to avoid all kinds of despair, discouragement, that the enemy would just be pushed back in both of these families' lives. God, we're praying against principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this age. God, we pray that both churches would prosper, that there would be conversions, baptisms, disciples being made, and more churches planted, that you would give Russell and Christina favor on that Air Force base, Lord, that we would see a move of your spirit of revival and awakening there. God, nothing's too difficult for you. You can do all things, God. It's not impossible for you to transform that whole Air Force base. God, help us to start moving in faith. Help us to start believing you for greater things, not just in their churches, but also in Reading, Lord. Anoint them, God. Just put the, the hand of God, the hand of the Lord is on Russell and Christina and John and Sarah and ourselves. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we all pray. Amen? Amen.